what I've learned when I continue to like tell this story and look back at the last five years is that everything that has happened in my life has kind of forced me to the next elevated space that I may not have jumped to because of comfort. Always ask why. Why is this the way it is? The whole goal is to rise the industry, to grow it. Yeah, don't worry about giving us credit, guys. We're not here for that. If it grows the industry, that's what makes me happy. Well, when you first said it, I was going to hang up. <laughs> yeah. and... no, no. It's not a race you want to win. Yeah, you're going to lose because it'll be too cheap. You'll be working for like McDonald's money. Otto, Mitter, onto our show from Alibana. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on board. Okay, we'll take 20. I, I can't to... do math. I'm a beauty professional. Yeah, they panning. I do teeth whitening. I'm like, okay, there's some point where you gotta draw a line my biggest concern is longevity and making sure that you've got the best possible mechanical fit if you're looking for a lash podcast that will challenge how you do lashes build you up and help you create a business that not only thrives but allows you to live a life you're proud of you've come to the right place this is Lashcast, your friend in the lash industry Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is a broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today we have a, a wonderful guest, someone that we've recently got to know. Her name is India Drummond, and she is the owner of Blink's Luxury Salon Suites in San Antonio. And she is quite the entrepreneur, and we're excited to have her on because we love to tell the stories of lash artists. We love for you to meet just another one of you out there just killing it, doing her work, and just slowly building that empire. And she is doing that in San Antonio, and we get to know her and share a little bit about her journey and how she, what and what and how she's doing it. So can't wait to get into that. But before we do that, guys, we have announcements. It's time for We have tons of stuff. Month of June is insane. This is our busiest month of the year next to LashCon, all right? So first, let me just tell you, we have two trainings this year that you can still buy tickets for. Austin will be in Texas on June 17th, 18th. We have a few class spots left. And then we're going to be in Honolulu on July 8th and 9th. And by the way... Because we realize it's so expensive to fly to Hawaii, air travel, hotels, everything's like double, right, during the summer. So we lowered the price. So it's only $12.97. So if you really want to come and get Tustin's class at a discount and do a vacation and get a write-off to do that, and there's a Lash Bash on Saturday night while we're out there in Honolulu, well, go buy your tickets. Links in the show notes or in their Instagram page in the bio and you can buy and you can hang out with us in Honolulu on July 8th and 9th. So those are our two trains coming up and then we're going to take a big break and then we'll have trainings in November and December. Those details will come out this summer. Last con, if you've been around, you probably heard about it. Well, prices were supposed to go up. They did, but then we had second doubts. We said, no, let's give a little more time. Give everyone a little more time. So price increase has been delayed by one week. So that means now you have until the end of this week to get your tickets before the price goes up. So do not delay. Do not wait. Do not take any more time. And this is also the last week that the five-week month payment plan is available. We will be going to a four-month payment plan starting in a week. So lowest prices, 
best payment plan. Only have to pay 20% down. So go get that now. And uh, and also look at the add-ons, guys. And we still have the $5,000 ticket left. That's the crazy part. I didn't, I mean, we didn't know. We tried to do this thing. It includes being picked up by a limo, having your makeup done, a nice dinner, having an assistant at the program, having the best seat in the house. Lots of nice upgrades, but it's five grand. So I get it. But don't go into debt for that. Please do not charge that on your debit or your credit card. Only do that if it's a reward to you that you've done had an amazing year and you want to pat yourself on the back and treat yourself. I promise you it's well worth it. It will be an awesome experience. We have two of those tickets. That's all we have. I believe at this point VIP tickets are gone, but you can still at least get that. And I promise you, even if you don't get VIP, it is well worth it. For like 700 bucks, you get $2,000 worth of value. Maybe 3000 hey, Let's make it ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. You get a lot. So don't worry. And we still have Lash Lab. You can get the add-ons. Um, you The add-ons on Saturday morning do not come with any of the tickets. You have to buy those. They're 150 extra. Six distinct classes, not recorded. Three-hour workshops that we're going to be having. So you want more details, go to their website, thelashconference.com. You can see all that there. We're going to be at Premiere this coming weekend. June 3rd to the 5th. You can still buy your tickets. Only $95, guys. Don't buy it at the door. Buy it now. Buy it online. Go to the show notes. You get the link there. Mackenzie Graham, Otto Mitter, Michelle Wynn, Rihanna Green, Shelby Tarleton, Valerie Nall, Gretchen McCants, Maddie Morse, Tusney, and me. It's a all-star lineup of speakers, three days, only for $95. It's basically the last conference extension at the premiere show, and you do not want to miss it. If you're in the Florida area, you definitely have to come hang out with us. We have 88 seats in that room. I'm afraid we're going to pack it out, maybe standing room only for at least when I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> who knows but that said come hang out with us and if you can't like i can't do that well then come see us in vegas on june 25th at the ibs show we'll be there by the way in between those two things we're also going to be at the lash bash in laguna beach which is just another event that's gonna be on sunday i think they're sold out but that said um if you want to come hang on laguna beach you can do that but otherwise vegas june 25th in vegas we have our party that we team up with shelby tickets are 87 dollars, and you don't want delay last year we sold out, I, I think, three or four days before the event, and we had tons of people we had to turn away at the door. So do not wait. Get your tickets now and so you can hang out with us. You're going to IBS show. You might as well come and see us Sunday night. It's at the, on the Penthouse at the Sahara Hotel. It's very, very cool, and it's very, very exclusive. All right. Uh, they, oh, one last thing. We have an IBS discount code. So the tickets right now are 60 or 75 but you only have to pay 65 Use the code LASH10. Like lashes, lash ten, and you save ten dollars off, and you can get into the IBS show for ten dollars less, and then come see us on Sunday night. All right, I know I sound like a used car salesman because I, I am right now, but I don't mean to. It's only because I care about you and I want to see you guys all these fun things that we're part of. So do not, you know, you can't do them all, but pick one. All right, come to LashCon, come to Premiere, come to IBS, do something. Don't go crazy and go into debt. Don't like to hear those stories like oh, I'm spending my um, retirement on this. No. Don't don't do that or your, or your unemployment check. Don't do that either. That's not a good way to spend it. COVID money, sure. If you have COVID money laying around, which amazingly, I found a debit card that we got during COVID that we still have money on that we can use from the uh, state of California. So that was kind of fun. Got to use that one of these days. All right. So that's all that. And by the way, for those of you who are concerned, because I know a lot of people reach out. Tusney is, we believe has long COVID. It has been, um, doctors don't know. They, they don't know what's going on with her. So appreciate your prayers. Appreciate your support. She is 
working and just trying to get by every day. It's been a long haul. It's been three months. She got it actually at Lash Bash in Vegas is when she got it. So thanks, Mo. Uh, but that's it. We got, she got sick. From, that's when she first got it. And since then, she's been on and off, on and off. It's like has good days, bad days. Um, and it's, it's not a lot of fun. So just if you remember her, pray for her. Uh, thanks for your encouragement to her. She is trying to hang in there. She'll be at all these events. But she may be a little low energy or she may just come for parts of them and then book because she, she just can't do what she's been doing in the past uh we were uh, just at um let's get social with island last she had a thing and Tessa spent most of the time in bed sadly so uh just thank you for all your love and support appreciate it just want to give you guys an update on that for those of you who uh have been reaching out and asking all right now it's time to get into our interview where we sit down with india and talk about her last journey Hey, Smart Cookies. Hey, guys. Paul and Tuss here in the Lashcast Studios. Excited to have a new guest with us, someone we just recently got to know. And her name is India Drummond, and she actually is the owner of Blinks Luxury Salon Suites in San Antonio. And she is a go-getter, someone that we were, when I read her story, I was like, okay, this is someone we definitely need to have on our podcast because I think she is, you've done a lot, you've been through a lot, and I think it will be very encouraging to a lot of other fellow lash artists who are currently on similar journeys as yours. So, anyway, welcome to the show, India. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're really excited to have you. And you are definitely, uh, I think someone's very unique in the area that you own a salon suite. I know a lot of people are solo artists. You have a lot of people out there who maybe run a salon with team, but there are, I only know of a handful of people who are doing the salon suite route. So it's exciting to have you come on and kind of present that. And also, I think, just to hear your backstory. You have an amazing how, story. Yeah, and, and how I think you got it, into it. Yeah. yeah, so can you share with us a little bit about like how you started? Were you always interested in beauty? Was it something you just fell into? Share with us a little bit about your journey. So I'm originally from Alexandria, Virginia, which is on the East Coast. It's about 10 minutes outside of Washington, D.C. I was fortunate enough to be in a really, really good county where a majority of our high schools actually offer the secondary school options for you to graduate with a license in some sort of professional service. So HVAC, culinary, veterinarian school, there was all these different options and I chose cosmetology. It happens to also be the same cosmetology program that my mom went to at some point. So I feel like she had a little bit of an influence, of course. So her mom joined that program. Professional too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we have like it natural for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yes. Very natural. So I ended up joining that program my junior year. It took two years, but by the time I graduated at 18, I had my license. And I feel like a lot of people aren't able to get it that young. And so all throughout college, I was doing hair in my dorm. I was staying up in the middle of the night to do people's bowl cuts and highlights and all types (laughs) of things just to make a little bit of money. And then I ended up continuing the path of hair. And it wasn't until I relocated to San Antonio, which was through a job offer that I received after an internship in college, that I got notice of these permanent cosmetic areas, right? So at that time in 2016, you'd see lash extensions, microblading kind of came out of nowhere. And I knew coming to a new city, my first big girl job, I had my first apartment, I wanted to meet other women and lash extensions just were highlighted. They were everywhere at the time. So I was like, let's take a course and see where it goes. And I completely transitioned from hair to permanent cosmetics. I just feel like hair is one of those industries that kept changing. It kept changing and I could not keep up. And it felt like more of a job than something that it was enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I took a course in lashing and I've been doing it ever since. And that was like 
five years ago now. So when you were in college, you were not going to beauty. That was just your side job to help pay the bills with hair. And you were had like, was it finance or business? I forget what your, your major was. Originally went to school for uh, the school of business. And then once I hit my second year of financing, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. Okay. So then I completely switched over to communications. So uh, that's kind of where I got into marketing and PR and all of that, but completely unrelated to beauty. But it was something that was always on the side. Okay. And then so it was just, but it wasn't a difficult transition to say, okay, I already have my cosmetology license. So you were working in logistics, right? I think is what I remember. Correct. Yep. And how did, why did you give up that? Was it, you were not liking that job and what got you to say, no, I'm going to go back into beauty. It seems as though everything that I've kind of been attracted to has been sales of some kind. So even though I did, you know, I interned and then worked for UPS, it was in their sales department. Mm -hmm. So a lot of cold calling and that industry was a very male driven, male dominated industry. And sitting at a desk all day and having to have my calls monitored, I realized that I was spending more time using their computer and their internet looking up how to like start my own business than I was <laughs> trying to like further their business. Yeah. So my grandma at the time offered to pay for my course and my parents who are of a generation that they lean more on security. So, you know, you have this income that's, st that's stable. You've got this health insurance that once you hit 26, you're really going to need it because I wasn't 26 at the time. So mm -hmm. I wasn't even thinking about health insurance. <laughs> they were like, don't leave the deck to follow something that is so uncertain. And they hadn't heard of lash extensions either. And my grandma was like, don't listen to them. They've never done anything that they wanted to do. <laughs> so yeah. how much is the training? I'll pay for it. And she did. And I took my first class. I get it. We're just interviewing another gal whose parents had the same mindset. You know, don't give up the security. You're going to get the benefits. It's it's a steady income. You, you want to eat, don't you? <laughs> but she's like, no, I want to do what I want to do. And um, in your case, sounds like you had a grandmother who was who uh, like causing trouble by <laughs> encouraging you, right? Literally, literally behind the scenes. She's like, those people never followed a dream. Like, why would you listen to them? You oh. don't need that yet. You're 22 at the time, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need health insurance, like not yet. Yeah. So if you didn't have your grandma speaking into your ear and speaking that truth to you, do you think that you would have gone on? I'm just curious. If I did not have my grandmother, I would not have taken the course. I also would not have relocated to San Antonio because the opportunity came so fast after graduating. I got the job offer three weeks after I left my college campus. And they said, you have a month and a half to get out here. You can choose San Antonio, Texas, Phoenix, or Greenville, South Carolina. Texas was the only place that was familiar and far enough from home to where I was like, I'm comfortable with going. And I'm my mom's only child. And um, I just turned 29 last week. And my mom was 44 when she passed about a year ago. Mm. So our ages were very, very, like, we're very close in age, you know, so she was like, you're not leaving. And I'm like, if I get that job offer, if they call me, I'm telling you, I'm leaving. <laughs> and my grandma helped me find my apartment, helped me read my lease. And she was the one that was like pushing me out. So no, I don't believe if it had not been for her and her encouragement that I wouldn't have this salon suite that I'm sitting in. That's beautiful. I mean, I think having family members like a grandmother is a, it's a beautiful thing to have that kind of support. Not everyone gets that. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy mm -hmm. that you had that encouragement. What was for you when you started, you decided to start transitioning from working at UPS? Were you working full time and just quit and went and did the lashes or did you work both at some point and just get, like transition into that new position? So coming to Texas, I learned that 
like in the area of the DC, Maryland, Virginia area, you don't have to have a beauty license to perform lash extensions. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I kind of did was know what I was required to have in Texas and boom, licenses out the way. So I kind of had the strategy of using my nine to five to pay for my side hustle that I knew I wanted to make my full hustle. So I was working nine to five. And then at the time I had a two bedroom condo. So I was using that spare room as my lash room. And I was lashing from six to about 10 p.m. Okay. So I was working around the clock for sure. But that's how I started that's a that. Lot. No, that's what you got to do, right? That's what you do. You got the demand mm-hmm. means you're good. Were you working weekends too? Or did you take any time off? And I was working weekends too. I think the only day I had off was Sunday. And how long did you kind of do this transition thing where you were working two jobs and all that? November of 2017 to March of 2018 was when I actually quit my job. Okay. So about five months that you were bouncing or That's doing it, that. Yeah. Sounds like you built your base up pretty quick. I did. And what I get questioned on a lot is what kind of foundation do I need to have set amount of clients or savings do I need to have to fully quit my job? Right. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I took a one week vacation and I let my clients know ahead of time. And the next week, my books are going to be open, not just from six to 9 PM, but they're going to be open from 9 AM to five. And I wanted to give that tester to see if I actually would get traction during those hours. Mm -hmm. And once that one week went by and I was booked from nine to five, It was, it was it was over. Easy. I just had you to know. test it first. Yeah. I like calculated risks. Yeah. I had to like make sure it was worth it first. Did you have a nest egg or some savings? So if you had a little downturn on business that you would at least be able to fall back on that? Yep. I had about, I think I had a good five months of savings at the time. Oh, wow. So if you made no money for five months, you at least still pay your bills and get by. Yep. That's, I think it's really yep. smart. I think a lot of people don't realize that that's kind of the safe way of going about business. It's like- They don't you, plan ahead. Yeah, don't plan ahead. And if you mm-hmm. really want to do something big and take a chance and have a gamble, we'll have that safety net. That will give you a lot more peace uh, to sleep at night. Because there's unexpected <laughs> sure. things that happen. You know, sometimes there's things that are beyond your control. So it's wise just to give yourself that peace of mind, to give yourself that margin. And I love the fact that you did this test. You did a yeah. vacation and you put it out there different hours. And it gave you, I'm sure, a boost to know, well, hey, I can do this now. How quickly after that vacation test, we'll say, did you give your notice and move on? I gave two weeks as soon as the vacation was okay. over. Because <laughs> <It was like laughs> I knew the demand was there. Yeah. And then luckily being in San Antonio, it's a huge military city or military town. So I'm thinking like the average woman, right? The average client who works a nine to five, how many of those clients can actually sneak away to spend an hour with me during their work hours. Mm -hmm. But I have the military folks. I have the stay at home wives who are the wives of military husbands. Mm -hmm. And it just worked out that this area and the nurses in the area, right? Those were my core clients. So it worked out that not only did I not have the overhead because I worked from home, but I was surrounded by women and clientele who would benefit from a nine to five because they also have their, their kids and whatnot to get home to. So working at home probably has its own unique challenges. So trying to get clients in, trying to explain the situation off, obviously like how they enter. And can you share a little bit about that? If there's been any challenges? Yes. So I had not came from a background of working in a salon. So this was new for me, just like it was new for them. I was previously in my dorm, right? So having people in my space and in my living quarters, I wasn't really shy to that, but Mm. That pre-appointment rapport and building that trust and communication and letting them know, like, this is what you can expect when you walk in, I think was just really important. And I think that goes for home base and salon base is setting up the expectation of you will be laying down for two hours. 
I have a gate code. There's a restroom in my actual room, right? So you don't have to leave at any time. At the time I was um, with my fiance, right? So there's going to be a man in the house at some point. I always kind of made sure my clients felt safe and understood. And that gave my clients husbands or boyfriends or whatever, also the trust because some of them wanted to walk them to the door and Mm -hmm. all of those things. I think it's so wise that you did that because that male energy can sometimes, if if you're not, people have different pasts and that can be traumatizing. But if you put, set out those expectations, there will be a man in the house. He's not going to interfere. This kind of thing. There's, you know, that's managing. You won't be doing your lashes at any point. (laughs) No, because it can be startling. Like we had a policy, like our son, our oldest, uh, very tall and sometimes brooding. I didn't want him in the salon if there were people in the waiting area, especially when he was younger. He'd walk in with this male energy and it could like mm-hmm. set people up. You know, so I'd be like, either you come in like a person, like a gentleman uh. or, or, you know, or just can you just wait a minute until the people leave, you know? Yeah. yeah so totally. yeah. now for you, did some people say, no, I'll pass. Like, did you find people resisting or most people, once you talk to them, they're like, oh, okay, that sounds fine. I never had anyone that inquired about an appointment or wanted to book an appointment that declined and named that as like the reason. Okay. I did have people that after they came in would share their concerns. Like I thought it was going to be like this, but it's actually this way. Mm. So I think that they just, ex- just expressed their surprise of what a home-based studio can be. Mm-hmm. Now for you, did you do anything different with your setup or your home or was it just basically a, it was a regular apartment and then you had one room set dedicated just for lashes? So at the time it was a two story condo and then that room had its own restroom. So kind of like once you entered, you didn't have to go anywhere mm-hmm. essentially. So it was like um, one room, one like treatment yep, room. Just one complete treatment room. And I think what really sets it apart even today in my salon suite is that I always had smell goods. I always had the light very dim. I always had a really good playlist that I still pass out today that I add to mm-hmm. every day. And I just think that no matter what's going on outside of your treatment room, if where your client is trusting you to have her eyes closed is set up safe yeah. and comfortable, it really doesn't matter where you're working. No, it sounds like you've taken care of a lot of those good things, like the smell when you first walk in, yes. the sound, the way that it feels. Yeah. You can immediately feel safe or you can immediately feel on edge like this is sketch. Yeah. So it sounds yes. like you've done a lot of the a lot of the good work. So you went from being a working out of your condo and then you moved into a salon suite. What was that journey like? When did you make that decision? Like, okay, um, was it because you were just so busy or what happened there? No, it was not because I was busy. So I left my job in March of 2018 and I had this whole dream, right? Like I've got my savings. I quit my job. I'm about to work for myself. I have the summer coming up. I'm going to vacation if I want. I'm going to work if I want. And then my birthday was the next week. So at the time I turned 23 and then I went to the doctor on my birthday. Don't know why. And I found that I was pregnant. So Ah. my daughter, (laughs) (laughs) my daughter was the reason why that spare room went to a nursery. And then it kind of forced my way out. So I actually did not ever go to a salon suite. I just rented a room in the business building, essentially. What I've learned when I continue to like tell this story and look back at the last five years is that everything that has happened in my life has kind of forced me to the next elevated space that I may not have jumped to because of comfort. Mm. Right. You wouldn't have picked it for yourself, but because... I wouldn't have chose that. 
circumstances, right? Kind of forced circumstances, yeah. which is great. I mean, it shows one thing that you're able to pivot and you're able to adapt, which I think is one of the biggest skills for any entre entrepreneurs. Like, what can you do when everything goes wrong, and how are you going to figure it out to <laughs> stay afloat? Right. So for sure. And uh, yeah, having a, a child is a big change. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So I had a good five or so months. I think I worked up until a week before I gave birth. So I had that whole entire time to transition my room, take my clients with me on that journey, transition them from I'm home based now, but this is what's to come, you know? So it still gave me time yeah. to do so. Did you lose any clients in that time? Like they were like, Oh, I don't want to go to a new place or they didn't, or they were just dedicated to you and like, no problem. Wherever you go, we'll follow you and go to your next place. I have clients today that have been with me since before I was pregnant. So okay. I wouldn't say I really lost many. Can we talk a little bit about the surprise pregnancy news and you having an idea of what you your life was going to be like and then kind of being thrown this curveball? And it's something that has happened to a lot of us. Can you talk about your feelings? Maybe if you had anxiety about what the future would hold, like could you still do lashes with the baby? What was your journey? What was your mind like? Left my job a week later, my birthday, then I'm pregnant. And then exactly a month later on April 24th, what's today, the 12th, my grandma passed. So she passed a month after I found out that I was pregnant. So I feel like I got started because of her. So I can't stop at any time. And I still feel that way. And then I do believe that God gave my daughter to my family for that loss. Hmm. So it was hard to work through grief. And as you guys know, I've also lost my mother right recently. Yeah. So yeah. I've always kind of worked through grief. Um, so I had anxiety. I had some sadness, but I also had a great deal of motivation because at that point, there was nothing I couldn't stop. Right. With your grandmother, who was the impetus, she was the one that, you know, gave you your start. And it's almost like, you see, you couldn't fail. You had to keep doing this. Even if you wanted to, now you also have a child. And it's like, no matter yeah. what, you can't have a bad day. I mean, even if you have a bad day, you, you got to take care of that baby. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's like you had built in a training wheel, so to speak, that God said, I'm going to give you this motivation. And I'm going to give you these reasons to continue plugging along. So that's beautiful. Yep. I do also believe that that's the reason why I got the opportunity and it forced me out of another comfort zone, which was being at home. And I got that opportunity that a lot of people don't get straight out of college, which is mm -hmm. move and be set up. Yeah. And it, it forced me out of my grandmother's comfort, out of my mother's comfort, because ultimately they would pass. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just gave me that force that I kind of needed. Yeah. You also mentioned that the gift of your daughter seen such because it helped with the grief. Can you share a little bit about that? Everyone says like babies are blessings and sometimes depending on your circumstance, they may not be. And as odd as that may sound in my situation, I mean, she just definitely was. She was motivation. She currently is motivation. She's joy. She's this like unbiased um, she doesn't hold grudges. She's just this like very neutral person in my life that was just given. She was gifted, right? She was gifted to me. She was gifted to my mom when she lost her mom and it was perfect timing. And I'll always speak that. And as she gets older, I'll always remind her of that. Oh, Children are so fulfilling. And it's like, For sure. I was telling my daughter this, she's about to get married and she's worked really hard for a career. And she's talking about the anxiety of like, yes, I want children, but I've worked so hard. And I said to her, I said, you know, when I was a little girl, sweetheart, I didn't know 
the plans that God had for me. Like I didn't know how meaningful it would be to nurse my child. Like I didn't know how much being a mother would bring joy into my life. And Chris. it's like, you yeah. can't, you can't, purpose, yeah. you can't, you can't imagine that, but the children have a way of giving us the most fulfillment. I mean, jobs, work, all those things come and go, but the blessings and the fulfillment you get as a mother are something that are God given gifts, I think. For sure. Definitely fulfilling. She's our little salon baby. She's always here. Running She's like around, the mascot. Making sure, <laughs> making sure everybody's in check. <laughs> so for sure. That's right. My clients feel like they are watching her grow up. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah. I, we, mm-hmm. we were in a, another gal that was saying that her daughter was starting to mimic the mom, like, welcome. And she would like make this mm-hmm. arm motion. Please sit down. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Does she do that kind of thing? She sits at the reception desk and she's like, you hear from my mommy? Or somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) And then as if, I mean, I guess she does know, but she's only four, right? As if she knows like a full set is two hours or a fill is an hour. She'll like give me this pep talk before we come in. Like how many clients today? And I'll say just three. And she's like, so only, I'll only be here for three clients. I'm like three, I promise. And we're going to go home. So Uh. she, she knows the drill. She's watching her mother be a business owner. And I feel like that is also going to shift and change and give her insight to dream bigger. You got to open her mind to the possibilities of what she can do and where she can take her career, which is great. I mean, that's what you, you want to do for your kids is inspire them to go even further mm-hmm. than what we went. Right. So for sure, that's really cool. And with your daughter now with balancing there, there is it, I'm, I'm it's gotta be difficult at times. So it's gotta be, you must be torn. How, how do you work through that? And what kind of struggles do you um, have to deal with you mm-hmm. being a parent and a full-time business owner? I think the most challenging part was during the pandemic when I was kind of responsible for my clients, responsible for the girls that worked at my shop and making sure that they could feed their family. But then I had to become an instructor and a teacher and a caregiver and a nurturer for my daughter. She kind of looked at me for everything. And at the time she was one and a half. So balancing, I would say, was just not pushing my limits, I guess just doing what I could do, which if it was only two clients in the day, if it was only three, then that's really where I could take it. But I have a village here, none of whom are blood related to me, but I have found my daughter's godmother is a client of mine who's been around since before she was born. So I've, I have my village and in business and motherhood, I've just learned to not be afraid to ask for help. And so I, I fully do so. And they're supportive. That's great. Yeah. I mean, really, it comes down to asking for help. I think that's the thing. It's hard because we're prideful people and we like to do everything on our own, but really there's a point where you just have to say, nope, I'm going to need some. I also heard you say, knowing what your limits are, that also implies being able to say no. Like if you had somebody that was like, please, please. I want my lashes done. I mean, Mm -hmm. was that hard for you to say? Was that hard for you to exercise that, that boundary? boundary? Yeah. It's definitely hard and it's something that's still hard. And there's a few different areas, right? Like being a people pleaser, number one, and that retention of a client, knowing that, if they really need me today and I say no and they find somebody else, could they fully switch over? So sometimes you have that one appointment, that one time period, that one vacation that you take that in that moment, depending on the client, could fully you, you could lose your client. They may come back in a few years or whatever the case is. But that's kind of always been my fear. If I'm gone for too long, if I'm on maternity leave, if I'm after the passing of my mother and my grandmother, if I take too much time off where will these women go essentially? So people pleasing, losing a client, and then also being an entrepreneur in this specific area, you see how fast you can make money. And I think at first when I was lashing so young, I'm like, 
I want to save this amount. I always had a goal, right? I want to save this amount, but I also want these shoes. And this client, <laughs> this client wants, <laughs> this client wants to come in. And I know if I say yes, I can, I can have both. I can mm. save and get this extra thing. So my mindset is always like, do I want to sleep or do I want to, you know? Yeah. And lately it's more important to give my body and my myself breath. Well, there's seasons, right? I mean, there's so many times where you burn hard and you're just like, like, I know we didn't get into it, but when you're in school, you were taking like 20 units, working a job, internship, cutting hair. And like, you're literally sound like you're working 27 out of 24 hours a day, but you knew Correct. that was a season that wasn't the rest of your life. For sure. So even now you're listening to yourself saying, okay, this is another season where I'm going to maybe take care of myself, pull back a little bit, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe make a little less money. Okay. But that's okay. As long as it's part of the understanding, this is a, a you're playing a long game. It's here. temporary. Yeah. And that season allows for the slower seasons. Those like hustle, 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 seven or eight clients a day allows for it's summertime. I want to take a week off and be stable during that week. Right. To yeah. enjoy with my daughter or enjoy the fruits of what I've kind of built. Now, do you have help with childcare or, I mean, I know you have your village, but are you, mm -hmm. are you doing this whole thing solo? My daughter's father is really active in her life. We're no longer together. We've, you know, separated and whatnot, but he is, he's, he's there for her. So I always have him to take care of his portion, but yeah, daycare is helpful. And the next year she'll be in pre-K. So yeah. I just want to applaud you. I just think it's it's fantastic that you're pursuing your dreams. You've got this business. You're raising this daughter. You've made a beautiful tapestry out of what you have. Yeah. Thank you so much. So let's move into the next stage. So you've been working solo in your home and you now have a suite. So what was that transition? When did you say, you know what? Well, not solo. You actually worked, I guess you got in the office. That's right. So you're working mm -hmm. there in the space. What was the impetus to say, okay, I think I should own like a space and rent it out and, and go in the suite direction. So once I got to the point where I have my own room, I've kind of got a little flow, which the flow always changes of being a parent, but I had a little flow of like a newborn situation. I was pumping and in between clients and breastfeeding. I was doing a bunch of just nonsense, <laughs> but what I had to do, it got to the point where now my books were so full that I had an overflow of clients and I had a lot of um, requests and demand. So at that point, I guess the next stage was to hire somebody. And that's kind of what I did. So I interviewed a few girls and one of the girls that I first hired, she works across the hall from me. So she's still in my suites today. Yeah. But I decided that I felt I had outgrown San Antonio. I wanted a little bit of diversity. I wanted probably more challenge as well. So I hired three girls. I got them beds. I got them lights. I got them chairs. They moved into my one room at the time. And then me and my family, my daughter and my fiance at the time moved to Dallas. And in Dallas is when I actually rented a salon suite. And... Uh -huh. I left them here in San Antonio with my clientele of over like 850 contacts. Oh, wow. And I moved to Dallas and just started all over. Wow. Oh, wow. Now, so do you own that salon or those girls out in San Antonio still working for you? Or is that you have a suite now in Dallas? So I, I rented a room in a salon suite in Dallas. And it took me probably about three months to actually see consistent clientele coming in. And I tell people all the time, girls specifically from San Antonio that want to move to these bigger, fast paced cities or just make a transition in general. When you have a hub or a base of clientele somewhere that it's going to be a slow buildup, right? You probably will need to take a few visits down there at first and get your name out. Like you have to do some pre-work before just moving and thinking that Boom. people are going to trust you. It's, yeah. it's just not going to happen like that. And then the clientele here, again, stay at home moms, military, nurses, City life in Dallas, they are nine to fivers. Some of them are in the nightlife. So 
the clientele and the expectation out there were different as well. So it took me some time to find my people and for my people to find me. So it was a different hustle and bustle. The pricing was different. I had to pay more out there to work, but I also got to charge more out there because we were in big city Dallas, right? Mm -hmm. That was going well. Then the pandemic hit. So (laughs) to answer your question, one of the girls whom I hired at that time, yes, she's still with me. She rents a room across the hall. The other two girls um, moved forward. Some of them don't even lash anymore. But I was out in Dallas for about six months. And then when the pandemic hit, I had to make the choice to close my location in Dallas. Okay. Come back here where it all started. And again, I still had that clientele that was here. I was traveling back and forth every two weeks to take care of my clients that only wanted to see me. Mm-hmm. So me and my daughter would hop in the car, four hours on the road, stopping for diapers and whatnot, and <laughs> then taking my clients for the weekends and then driving back to Dallas. Wow. But now, sadly, because of COVID, you had to basically reconsolidate, regroup. And so that's why you're now in San Antonio again. And you have, and I guess did you at that point decided to open a salon suite in San Antonio. That was one of my only three things. I felt like closing my shop in Dallas and coming back to San Antonio, it felt like I was going backwards. And I had to like reprogram myself to where like it wasn't a fail. It, it was out of my control. And if I can go back and, and, and kind of rebuild a better foundation for the next time I want to relocate, then I'm failing forward, which is one of, one of one of my best friends told me. She's like, you're just failing forward. Like you're going back to propel, right? So my three things was is that I wanted to get a mom car. I wanted to get a new car. <laughs> I, wanted to, I, I wanted to hire more girls and I wanted to open up a new, like, new location. And I did all three. And so now you have a space, you said, I think six rooms, right? With uh, six uh, different people doing lashes and brows and stuff. Yep. I have six tenants. I actually have my, um, a recent tenant. She just moved in today and she actually does tattoos. So that's going to be an interesting mix, but a a welcomed mix because we do have a lot of estheticians or lash techs in this salon. Very, very cool. And for you, what was the, I guess the biggest challenge in going into the salon suite? Was it just easy, like open it up and people fill it up or what? Uh, yeah, what did you have to get through to get that to where you are today? When I moved back from Dallas, I still had a core of girls that worked for me and 50% of them still are in this salon suite. So I feel like when I built this space, they just transitioned over. I think the hardest area in having this salon suite was naturally probably the build out, finding contractors to trust, mm. figuring out what things were up to code. But luckily, I found a space that was a complete blank canvas. So no walls, no floors, no ceilings. And I was able to start it from the ground up and really draw out my floor plans. So one thing that I've learned now being a year into owning a salon suite is that because I had the ability to build it up, I probably would have thought harder on the sizings of the rooms and what an actual functional salon needs from closet space to utility. I mean, like those types of things. I would have thought more about the permanent things that once the walls go up, they're there. And maybe take my personal preference out of it and think about the average tenant or salon suite renter, right? So I made all my rooms 10 by 10. I only put a sink in one of my rooms because I just was thinking so narrow, right? Like, I'm a lash tech. I attract lash techs. That's all that's going to be in here. So yeah. I was thinking a little bit narrow and I would have changed that up a little bit. Did you go sense. visit other suites or look at other models to try to figure out what you want to do with your place? When I was in Dallas and that being my first time renting in a salon suite, 
I took inventory of what I enjoyed and what I didn't enjoy. Mm -hmm. I liked working in a space with other women, but I didn't like that there were so many women in the space. It was a very large salon suite with over like 60 different businesses, some of whom were there from the beginning and some were new like me. So you could see like naturally there's like little clicky things Mm -hmm. happening and being a girl's girl. And I honestly think I'm more of a mentor driven. I have a more mentor driven heart than maybe owning a salon suite. Mm -hmm. I want to feel community and feel like my girls have a place to trust each other and work amongst each other. Then I want to have rooms to collect checks. That's just not what I'm here for. So I can't be a young single entrepreneur mom of a four-year-old and then have a salon suite that also says no kids are allowed. Hmm. So I have a space that works for the woman who needs the space to work for them. Mm -hmm. And that's what I enjoy. It sounds like what's a value for you is the relationships and fostering that community more so than just being a boss babe, give me the money. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we host events here. I have a a Mother's Day event that I'm going to do next month, pop-up shops, vendors, and classes. I mean, yeah, I would rather have a space for women to come than to say like my name's on the front of it. Yeah. A lot of people don't even know when they come in here to get their lashes done that I like also own the suite. (laughs) So... (laughs) You know, it's just not about me. (laughs) Well, I think you're doing it for the right reasons. I mean, it's like an outpouring is that it's continuing to grow because you're fostering. You're really focusing on the most important things. Can you be successful just by being a flash in the pan and just about the growth? Yeah, you can. But at the end, what's the substance of it? The substance with what you're building is these relationships and a community that's vibrant and it's meeting people's needs, being able to bring your kids, meeting the needs of young mothers. That's what's important. I can see why you're doing well. Thank you. Thank you. One thing I found interesting that when we were talking that you've done this twice and it sounds like you've done it very well. And that is you seem to pick up clients very quickly. I know people (laughs) who've been lashing for a year or two and they still don't have full books and you've got full books in five months and three months in two different cities. So there's something about you that you're doing differently, whether it's your marketing or your customer service or whatever it is. I love to hear a little bit about your, what makes you successful? What's the secret? Yeah. I think that it's definitely a mix between customer service and marketing and something that I added to my website recently when I opened up the suites was that when you come to me, you have the option of flexibility, right? You can bring your child or if you need me after hours, which comes to that people pleasing space, right? Like we're here to work for each other essentially. But I do think it is customer service. Like I said, that pre-appointment introduction is really important. The communication you have after your appointment is really important. Making sure that you have a space, making sure that your website, your Instagram, your bio has all information prior to actually meeting your client, I think is really, really important. And I've never been a lab tech or a beautician that talks down on other beauticians. But if a client comes in, if a client comes in my chair, and I see work that's been done or preferences that they have that I don't believe work best for their eye shape. I'm going to shut down those myths or shut down those like the incorrect knowledge that they have. And that really, really builds trust. I think that's amazing. I'm so proud of you for not talking bad about other people and and not talking (laughs) bad in front of the client, but setting them straight on what's going on with their lashes and what it looks like. I think that it's a mistake. I mean, the client is in your chair. She's going to trust you and you can give in to that salacious temptation to gossip and we'll give you a feeling of feeling closer. But if you want to feel like a professional where your client is going to trust you, when you start bad mouthing somebody else, that professionalism just goes out the door. You might feel like a girlfriend, but not necessarily respected as a pro. And so I love what you said. You know, you're like, 
What I would do is like say, this is typically what I would consider a good bond. What I see here is this. You're not saying this is bad work, but you're saying this is what's good. And there's a level of professionalism with that that just goes for miles. It really says a lot about you. So good for you. Thank you. And I've learned like who maybe my ideal client is. Like you can come in here and you can ask for mega volumes with 20s and 19s. And I could say yes and take your money. Or I can say, hey, I don't believe that's the best fit for your eyes. And I also don't offer that, but I can point you in the direction of someone else. Mm -hmm. I'm an open book. I have resources. I have kind of like what you need. And the minute that a client lays down and closes her eyes, she's trusting me. I'm spilling my story. They're spilling theirs. And more than anything, I think people have followed me from location to location or city to city or waited for me to relocate back, like waited for me through all these different grieving periods or like I said, having my daughter and whatnot is because of that trust factor. Mm -hmm. It's very, very important and being consistent. You built something that I don't, it's like an intangible that people are going to have a hard time to put a, a finger on go, well, exactly. And when you say customer service, I didn't hear you say anything about Instagram or social media, which is usually what you hear. A lot of the gurus will say, the only way you can build your business now is you got to be posting and dancing on Instagram every day. <laughs> and I disagree with that very much. So I think there's a lot of people building businesses off Instagram. I mean, you have a presence, but that's like, they're not spending yeah. eight hours a day DMing and posting. They're just, you know, doing their business. For you? I used to though. You used to. When I first started, I was on social media and there, I mean, there is something to say about if someone goes to your page, you should always have a story up. Exactly. They should always have something to mm -hmm. click. Like, I mean, I understand that, yeah. but life also happens and social media is another job. Yeah. To me, social media is a whole nother job. So when I first started, I had something that I called like you and your bestie special. Mm -hmm. So I was doing two classic sets for $160. It's $80 a person. So I had all these like back to school specials and like all these things to just get people in the chair. And Got I knew it. once they were in the chair, you could win them like I had it, I had it from there, but I also know that if you give too many sales, you attract people who want sales. So mm -hmm. at some point I had to stop that too. So I think in the beginning, social media and kind of throwing myself out there was really important, mm -hmm. but the good thing about services like lash extensions, something that's reoccurring is you don't need too many to be, have a solid, you know, clientele foundation. Yeah. So as of now, I'm not doing the dancing. I'm just not, I'm just not doing that. <laughs> you don't need did, you, to. did you have a referral program or some incentive for people to share? Or did people just love the service with you that they would naturally talk to people and you would get more clients through the clients you had? I honestly think people just loved the service. Mm -hmm. I do. I think people were just comfortable and they liked the, the work that I did. And I'm someone who believes that I just don't, you don't know everything, right? So I take trainings every five or six months. There's always something more to learn. And a lot of people get comfortable with the first thing that they were taught and they just stay and they do stay. that, they you know, stay with that. they stay, they get mm -hmm. very comfortable. And I just, that's one of the biggest things that really, really grinds my gears. <laughs> and one of the areas that I think I mentor more in with the girls that rent here is that like, what, okay, so what are you doing next? Like, what's your next class or what's your next service? What's your plan? Because you're doing what you're doing. You're doing it really good, but like you could do more. I see it like crayons. If they went to a art class and the artist teacher says, these are the colors that you're going to use. You're going to use red, blue, and yellow. And you can do your whole business with red, blue, and yellow. The person goes out and starts doing that. It's like, yeah, you can build a good business with those primary colors, but you can paint in a beautiful picture if you mix them and you do other things with them. It's like a lot of people just stick with the very, very basics and they don't go outside of that box to say there's more. 
and you block yourself out from all types of different clients when you only stay within a certain box. Everybody's eye shape is not the same. Everyone's lashes are not the same. So being in San Antonio, a lot of my clients naturally are Hispanic. So straight lashes, whether it's straight out or straight downward. When I moved to Dallas, which is more of a a city, you know, very fast paced city, I had all types of different ethnicities. And that was my first time lashing African-American women. And you might think that that's something that's very comfortable for me, but I was scared. I was so scared because the (laughs) lashes are different. They're different. And lashing ladies with very curly, not just curled upwards, but twisty. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like our hairs are different. And then I had to learn how to best care for lash and then teach you how to care for your extensions as well. When you have curly, more oily skin or curly lashes, it is all different. And had I not reached out to other lash techs and DM'd them or taken courses on it, I would have been in Dallas, only been able to accept 25% of what Dallas offered. Then, then what do I do? Yeah. I actually think one of the biggest ways to continue to reinvigorate your career or your business is training, learning, educating. That's the stuff that gives you fire to keep pushing on to that next level, to take on those new challenges. Mm -hmm. It's motivating. Yeah. Yeah, You have to be able to figure out how to serve everybody that walks through your door, whether they are 20 or they're 80. If they're super, super fine lashes that go straight down or they're bending and and wiry and going all different ways. And Mm -hmm. you have to be able to figure out what works and what doesn't. And that means failing. It means missing the mark. It means being okay when the client comes back and say, you know what? They all fell out and being like, well, let's see what I can do instead of like, did you do this? Did you, what did you do? Did you pick them? Cause I know you did. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've only had to turn down one client and that was before I was pregnant. I had a client come in. She was my first African-American client and her lashes were so curly today. They'd be no problem. But then I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And mm. I told her, unfortunately, I, I wouldn't be able to take her. And I was like mad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to figure it out. Yeah. And I know lash techs currently that will, that have already shut themselves out to say, like literally on their books, if you have curly lashes, yeah, I yeah. will not take you. And I'm like, I know. Oh, you can't do that. And that, I mean, I didn't know about that until really, because we, we go to a lot of hair stuff and we're mm-hmm. and the, one of the beautiful things the last three or four years we've seen in the hair world is a idea of textured hair being required training in beauty schools. Because it wasn't. It's, it hasn't been. And so sometimes somebody would come in with textured hair and they would be turned away or like it happened out of the tragedies of like bridal showers or little girls parties. Ooh, and yeah. the little one little girl um, wasn't able to get her hair done because the stylist didn't know. Mm. And that's when it became kind of a revolution and changed um, cosmetology that is now required. Every state's requiring that textured hair be part of the education. But I've also heard it in the lash world. Like there's one ideal lash type that is so offensive to me because the ideal lash type is whatever the client has, not what's easy for you. Yeah. It's not about you. It has to be easy for me to work on you. And if it's not easy, I won't work on you. But you're right. I mean, people do. Lash artists will set themselves into a tiny little box and say, well, I will only take this part of the pie. And you know what? If if that's, if that's all you want to do, God bless you. But you're missing out on a huge section of the population. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Two points. One being that's why continued education is so important because cosmetology or beauty school is going to teach you the basics. They're not going to teach you how to have a good face-to-face conversation with a client. They're not going to teach you how to politely fire a client. They're not going to teach you some of these more technical or just like business-based situations. 
And then secondly, back when I was, you know, doing the whole hair thing before it got crazy, I took a training by a natural hairstylist who was teaching like blowouts and silk presses. And so she said that her business changed when she changed her business hours to fit her ideal clientele. Mm-hmm. So if she was doing hair from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., she was getting college kids. She was getting people who didn't have a steady income, who just wanted to come, you know, here and there. And then so people were asking, so then when do you work if you don't work 10 to 5? And she said she started at 5 a.m. I got mm. the women who wanted to come before their career started, like the, before their yeah. career job started. And I was off by 12 and I made my money by the time my kids got out of school. Oh, that's awesome. So when I see... When I see young lash techs who maybe don't have the overhead that I have or the responsibility of like children and they may live from home. And that's amazing that like you have that comfort. They also work in comfort. I have so many women around me, lash techs around me that I'll try to pass clients to. And they're like, oh, they want to come, you know, at 9 a.m. I don't work at 9 a.m. I don't work weekends. I don't work after 4 p.m. or I don't work Thursday, Friday and Saturday. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Because you want to go out? <laughs> You're trying to build a business right now. India, I love that you said that. It's absolutely a truth. The hours that you have that if if you're like, oh, I only work nine to five. I mean, those are comfort hours. If that's what you do, that's fine. But well, it don't does- be surprised if it takes you longer to build your business because it takes longer sure. to find the people can fit in those hours. I mean- We opened at seven, I think it was. We were open seven, closed at 11. We had two shifts. So we had a seven to three and three to 11 shifts. So the, the early ones Ooh. and the very late appointments were the most popular and they went first because they were actually 7 a.m. was huge yes too. because the business it's women really yeah they love coming at seven before they would go off to work and at you nine. have a monopoly at that time in your neighborhood because there's nobody else yeah, we is offering that we monopolies from seven to nine in the morning and from nine to eleven at night like no one else was open and the moms <laughs> the ones that had you know single moms or just kids they loved it because they'd be be off by the time the kids got home so i think it's it's a great way of looking at it and i just think people need to realize that Often when I hear people like, oh, you should decide your own hours and work your own hours. This is when they've been five, 10 years into their business and they already have- They've already paid their dues. They pay their dues. They have a clientele. Like someone two months into it, man, you just take whatever you can get. Like you hustle. That's what you did. I'm not saying don't have boundaries or preferences or your hard nose. Yeah. But you do kind of have to just put yourself out there, be open and be available Because me working out of my home and being a little uncomfortable or working like double shifts, essentially, is why those clients are still with me today. And today I don't work weekends. Mm -hmm. My weekends are for my daughter. If I come in, it's to like restock toilet paper. But like I'm not, you know, like those the weekends are for my daughter. And I put the work in to be able to have weekends off. And that's what I mean. You you will build eventually that company. Yeah, Tuss doesn't work weekends. And in fact, we mm-hmm. try to get to where she only works four days a week now so we can work mm-hmm. on the other stuff that we do. And we're going to continue to move in that way because we have an idea of the business that we want. But it does take time. I work like a dog in the beginning, just like you did, you uh, know. Yeah, mm-hmm. you work seven, I think you work seven days a week, sometimes <laughs> 10, it, 12, you know? 14 hour days. It was insane in the, back in the like 15 years ago. So um, <laughs> you just got to do what you got to do. But just looking at time, it looks like I we, can't believe we, it. We, it's we, gone by this far. This has been such a rich interview. Yeah. It's been really nice to Thank hear you. your story. And I know there's even more, but we'll just, we're going to have to we'll have, have to, you back yeah, on come again. back and talk. A yes, little bit more. I would. I would love to talk about just like the building, literal building you yeah. know, of this space. What a good lease is, a bad lease. Oh, oh yeah. Orders. We got to, we got to talk about all, all that. that. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. talking about salon suites is, is, uh, I think, uh, something that I didn't really see as a very viable option until I met, um, basically Maddie and Elliot. I don't know if you know them over in Arizona. They, mm-hmm. from Lighthouse, mm-hmm. yep. Lighthouse, Lash. Yep. They also have a and salon suite. And their studio is 
beautiful. I'm very familiar. Yeah, yeah. They're doing a good job with it there. And I think there's a real viable model for people to look at as a possible option if they're thinking they want to do something beyond working solo, but maybe they don't want to own empl have employees either. There's another option out there. So there's uh, options. Yes, there are. So that's what the beauty of building your own business is that you can build it the mm -hmm. way you want it to be. So all right, now, with that all said, where can people find you? Where can they look you up if they want to check out what you're doing? If you want to see the salon suites, my Instagram for that is Blinks. That's B-L-I and as a Nancy X Suites, S-U-I-T-E-S. And then my personal artistry page is Affinity, which is A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y artistry with one underscore. And that's where you'll find my individual craft and the work that I've done. And then on the uh, suites page, you'll see all of my tenants here. And as I'm trying to be able to balance running multiple Instagrams, yeah. you'll see just, you know, more <laughs> updates and whatnot. Awesome. And then, yeah. Also, if you want to go visit, you can go see the Alamo too, which uh, we've, seems like San Antonio. That was... Uh, you got to see the Alamo. You got to go see the Alamo. <laughs> you have to, it's for like sure. Part well, of you got, I saw that you guys will be in Austin. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Next weekend. Yes. Next weekend, we're going to be in Austin. Yes. Are you going to the Last Boss Summit? I just saw that on Instagram. Um, and I'm thinking about it. So if I, okay. if, I, if I go, we'll definitely have to be in person. Yes, sure. definitely. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. I know Shelby technically, I think, closed ticket sales, but... Mm. If you can't get in, just email me and I'll, I'll reach out to Shelby and say, hey, come on. We got someone that you we, should we got find a way. <laughs> we'll find a way to get you in. Perfect. That sounds good. So thank awesome. you guys so, so much. It's been You're a pleasure. Welcome, thank India. you so much for sharing. And it's been, uh, it's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you. Talk to you guys soon. Hey, guys. Guess what? That's a wrap. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please follow us on Instagram at LashCast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review on behalf of my Lash Sicky Tusney. Yes, I'm calling her that now after three months of having this long COVID thing. She's now my Lash Sicky. As well as our special guest, India, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.